This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. This episode of The Secrets of the Hobbit is brought to you by Bluehost. It is a great hosting service for your website or blog. And if you are not very technical and you don't know how to set up a WordPress blog, for instance, they make it really easy. It's just one click of a button. That's why I use it myself, because I'm not very technical. My blog, fatherroderick.com, is built in the Bluehost environment. Uh, check it out at sqpn.com bluehost. And by my new book, Geek Priest, Confessions of a New Media Pioneer. There is a chapter about The Hobbit in there as well. And you can order it at Amazon online. And don't forget to click on the link on our website before you shop at Amazon and your purchase will help support our show. SQPN.com presents The Secrets of the Hobbit. There and back again. A Hobbit's Tale by Bilbo Baggins. Where to begin? Welcome back to another episode of The Secrets of the Hobbit. I am Father Roderick, and I'm joined today, just like the last times, by Riley and Bethany Blanton. Hey, good morning, folks. Good morning, Father. Thanks for having us. It's, yes, glad to be back. It's a joy to be back, and it is a joy to be talking about The Hobbit. The movie is, well, just around the corner. December the 13th is uh, the the premiere. Not in New Zealand this time, not in Wellington, as everybody expected, but in the United States. And then soon uh, after, in the weeks uh, after the 13th, it is going to premiere all across the world. And uh, with the movie just around the corner, um, the uh, the promotion is also uh, gearing up and we have so much to talk about today. Way too much, I actually, I think, <laughs> but we're going to do our best. Uh, there is a there is a new song, the, the, you could say the title song, although it's never really played at the beginning of the movie, but rather during the credits. Um, there is a new trailer, a whole new trailer with lots of uh, details that we've never seen before and some interesting um, uh, new versions of, of, of scenes that we've seen in previous trailers. And there is a brand new production video and the promise of even more production videos in the weeks to come. So I think uh, we've, we've got a lot of work on our hands for today and probably also for the weeks to come. So let's, uh, let's start. Um, a new song. What's, what's the title of the song? Um, it's, it's I See Fire. It's Ed Sheeran, uh, which well, Americans probably know him, although he may be British. I actually don't know, but uh, he's had several hit songs, Lego House, and he's kind of, he's not really top 40, but he is very popular here in the States, and he's had several songs that you, if you turn on the radio on a, on a hit station here in the Atlanta area, you will likely hear him. So I, I was actually familiar with him. Cool. Uh, which has not been the case with really any other in credits musicians from from Lord of the Rings or from The Hobbit. Well, so I was I was really excited when I saw it. The the, the big artist uh, in the first movie was Enya, of course, uh, uh, with that song, yep. and then uh, you had was it Gollum's song in the second Lord of the Rings movie? That's yes. true. The third one had the beautiful song "Into the West" by Annie Lennox, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. that, I That's love that song. That was beautiful. And then I don't even remember. Uh, oh, yes. No, I do remember the first movie of The Hobbit had a song that I personally didn't really like that much because it was um, like a pop version of the of the mountain song. Um, you know, the, the far away. Yeah. Um, Actually, I'll, 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 uh, I'll support you on that one, Father. I wasn't a particular. I mean, I really liked the, the tune that they used and, and composed for that 
for that song for yes. the Doors, but the yeah the the arrangement wasn't wasn't my favorite. No, it grew on me after a while. But uh, yeah. this new song, "I See Fire," is uh, uh, is a lot better in my opinion. I think it's actually one of the best songs that I've heard so far. Really like the style. I think it fits. Um, the 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 world of Tolkien, this the the atmosphere of the movies, and uh, fortunately for us, it was first released on iTunes, and then of course a lot of people were complaining. Well, I don't like iTunes. I don't have iTunes. And then I think the next day, uh, the video was posted on YouTube, which not not only gives gives us a song, but also uh, shows us a bit of the um, of the recording sessions with Peter Jackson present there. And towards the end, we even get a few glimpses. Of uh, of the movie, which is really cool. So I'm gonna skip over the uh, the singer getting ready and then just uh, play a little bit of the song. I, I think it starts around here. Let me see. It must be around the one minute mark. Here we go. Keep careful watch of my brother's souls, and should the sky be filled with Fire and smoke Keep watching over during sun I actually really like this beginning of the song where it's almost like a prayer to the mountain, like protect my brothers. Um, yeah. You don't know yet why he is asking that, but then the rest of the song uh, slowly starts to unfold it, and it's this because of the fire. And... Uh, a fire that is destroying everything and then the song goes to a huge crescendo which is really like uh, that's another thing that i love about this song it's, it's there's a real build-up to towards the end and then when the music is at its its peak you get all these images of smaug destroying um dale i think it is um, yeah and some some more stuff from under the mountain it has a nice folksy uh, style this yeah, yeah, the, the folksy style was something that I definitely picked up on, and I kind of like because yeah. the, the way that it starts in the beginning with the watch over Durin's sons, uh, it seems to be more from, it, Peter Jacks mentioned that it's from the perspective of the audience, but it seems to be speaking more about the dwarves, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice in the film. Um, and it gives the story that we're being told. And I think it is interesting because it also uh, reveals that the, the emphasis in the second movie is going to be about ultimately the history of these dwarves and it's their quest. And and even though the book is called The Hobbit, the movies are called The Hobbit, but, but really it's almost as if even Bilbo is just serving the dwarves and their quest to um, bring back the king of the mountain. And uh, and this song reflects it very well. And then, of course, the other king under the mountain, the current king, the dragon, uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna uh, give up so quickly. And that is why there is fire. So let me just fast forward here to the ending because I, I really love the way um, the song ends here and musically. I think it's around here. Let's see. Here's the, the, the big fire. Also fits well with the end of um, of the first movie, with the fire and the trees and everything. Pine cones. Oh, 
We also see uh, some glimpses of Schmaug from the very first part of the first movie. And uh, I, I heard that um, the Schmaug that is uh, uh, destroying, the, those sequences where he's destroying Dill, um, in, in the new expanded edition of the, of the movie that uh, just, just uh, came out, I think, on Blu-ray on DVD, um, you see a lot more of the dragon. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't got that uh, edition yet. Uh, have, you, have you guys seen it? No, I, have, I haven't. No, and it, it's, it's kind of the ultimate debate because we, we uh, purchased the Blu-ray the second it came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, as longtime Star Wars fans... You're used to that. You're used to getting <laughs> multiple releases. Although I will say this, it's interesting. There have been more in, in the past... Yeah, I guess you know five, ten years of Lord of the Rings. There have been more releases, twi- almost twice as many releases of Lord of the Rings as Star Wars editions. True, true. <laughs> it's I think something that Lord of the Rings fans uh, will have to get used to as well. So I, I do intend on purchasing the the extended Blu-ray, but I have not yet. I, I definitely, I definitely want to get it. Unfortunately, my uh, the projector that I use to project my um, PS3 on the wall to get the nice, you know, uh, home cinema is broken. So <laughs> I'm not buying any Blu-rays until it's fixed. But uh, I've heard that you see a little bit more of the dragon, and that and uh, Schmaug actually in the first movie is a is a whole different computer model compared to the Schmaug that we will see in this second movie. So it's going yeah. to be an e- an interesting uh, um, thing to uh, freeze frame the dragon that we see in um, in the extended edition and compare to what we see of Schmauk in in the second movie. Uh, but it's uh, we definitely have to do a show once we we've all seen the expanded edition on on the the extra scenes. I've already seen seen some glimpses of them online and um, yeah. it's nothing really too uh, important. Um, but it just fills in, uh, for instance, the, uh, the stay of the dwarves in Rivendell, and it shows us a lot more uh, uh, of what's going on there, how the dwarves react to the elves and the food and everything. So um, there, there's a very funny scene with, uh, with some elven musicians, and one of the dwarves gets uh, um, enamored of, of what he thinks is a female uh, elf <laughs> until the guy turns around. <laughs> there's some funny, funny moments in there. But uh, we'll have to save uh, that for another time because, gosh, we we've got a new trailer. I didn't I didn't see that coming. Didn't I did expect- not either. <sighs> no. And I'll, and I'll tell you what. This this did the trailer premiere at the fan event, the Hobbit fan event they were doing. I think so. Yes. Yeah. So there was a, an, another live event streamed live. I think it was only twenty minutes. Right. It wasn't very long. Uh, yeah, it was not super long, and it was evidently very highly produced. Now, we were at school all day, so I didn't get to see it live. In fact, I got home, and I have, like, sitting right in front of me right now on my computer screen, the OneRing.net and their full breakdown of the 20-minute thing. Oh, cool. But evidently, it's fairly spoilery, so I'm kind of, mm-hmm. ah, because the one thing I love about watching these adaptations come to life is to see Peter Jackson's unique look on them, and I really like some of the surprises, uh, to be surprises. Yes. Because sometimes, I, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, and we'll get into this later, but I don't want to be predisposed to, you know, hate Tariel. Right, uh, I want right. to see what the story has to say. So in some ways, I'm not sure if I want to find out all the details, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm torn because I thought I knew everything about the first movie, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much in there that I didn't see coming, and, and just seeing the entire movie... Uh, was a was a very still a very fresh uh, experience to me, even though we we had seen uh, way more actually also in terms of pre-production videos than we've seen for the second movie. Um, 
So I'll probably watch it. Um, but you're right. It's it's a decision you have to make. Um, the the first fan event that I saw that was streamed live was longer, but it was very well produced, very well done. And it's all, always cool to actually, you know, go behind the scenes and see the the the, the offices in, in Wellington and uh, the place where this movie is made. And um, as you know, I've, I've been to Wellington not so long ago and actually got, well, didn't really get a tour of, of course, of the offices because that, all that is off limits uh, to a certain, uh, simple lay people like me. But I did get to see a, a, a number of the buildings where the movie was in production. And I got to see the big green screen that we also see in the new production video that was posted. Oh, the wow. big, like the one, the big outdoor one that they yeah. have to watch. And it's actually it's so big that they can't really hide it. So sure. it's it's be, you actually drive up a hill, and um, and it's it's not far from the airport either. And then all of a sudden you turn a corner and you see this big gate, and it, and and behind it there's this huge. It looks like a huge parking lot, and surrounded by this immense green screen. And it's so big that they just leave it there. But it's out in the open, and you know if if there are planes or the weather turns bad, then well, too bad for the filming. You'll have to work around it. So it was fascinating to see that stuff. And and these these um, sneak peeks, the production videos, the um, uh, uh, this fan event um, actually gives you, I think, a very good uh, alternative to actually traveling there and being there, which a lot of a lot of us, of course, can't do. Now, I want to go to the trailer and, and just uh, as we usually do before we uh, analyze it, and we can probably do this a little bit faster than we did with previous trailers because there's a lot of overlap. Um, yeah. uh, just play the, the audio of the trailer and then just go scene by scene and comment upon it. And then uh, in the remainder of the time, we will go to the production video and talk, especially uh, about the second part. But let's first uh, listen to the awesome audio and, and great music. Also, I have to say this. Um, I, I don't remember if this was the same music as we heard in the, in the first trailer, but it, it, it works. It works even better. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is actually uh, more definitive music because in the production video, we see that they're recording it. So... Um, gosh, I'm 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 excited. Let's uh, let's take a listen. The Lord of Silver Fountains, the King of Carven Stone, the King beneath the mountain. And the bell shall ring in gladness at the mountain king's return. But all shall fail in sadness, and the lake will shine and burn. You have no right. No right to enter that mountain. I have the only right. What is this place? The desolation of Smaug. Destroy the dragon. Take back your homeland. The dwarf will never be king. Our time has come again. It is not our fight. Are we not part of this world? You seek that which would bestow upon you the right to rule. The Arkenstone. Hmm. What's that? That. Master Burglar. 
is why you are here. We don't need a grave danger. The world is in grave danger. I fear for you. If this is to end in fire, then we will all burn together. You can't give up now! It never ceases to amaze me. The courage of hobbits. This is, I think, a perfect trailer. I, I, I mean, I, I, I can't see how you can improve on this. It, it has fantastic music, a lot of action. It, it does uh, uh, also tell its own story. I think it, it, it makes it very clear to the audience what this movie is about and what the function is in the entire story. And um, uh, I, I, it has just perfect rhythm. I'm like, when I saw this, I was like, I want to go to the movies right now. <laughs> I don't want to wait anymore. I'm ready. It's hard to believe that it's barely a month out, but just over. Oh, it's, oh. Going, it's going to be awesome. I'll, I'll tell you what, the first time I watched this was, I guess, just yesterday. It was the first time I saw it. And man, it was, mm-hmm. it was one of those things where as I watched it, I came away feeling like that this is the greatest trailer that had me the most excited since the Return of the King trailer, the theatrical one, which I never even saw in theaters, but that trailer, which is just so good. Yes. Um, and I really, I really like the use of the heavy percussion and mm-hmm. just how they kind of, it's, it's a thematically, it's like, it's a whole new trailer, even though it does use a, like you said, a lot of the same footage. So it's interesting just kind of to see a whole new take on the sneak peek. And now I'm wondering, it's, is it unusual? Because it's usually these types of films get your teaser trailer and your theatrical trailer. And then occasionally, especially for a big blockbuster, they'll get like a theatrical trailer too. Like, like for instance, The Dark Knight Rises that came out yeah. last year. So it's, it's interesting to see that they don't really call it like a theatrical trailer too. I, so I assume this won't be in theaters, but it's still, I'll tell you what, I'm glad... It, Mr. Peter Jackson, I, we do thank you, sir. Well, I, I actually th- I wouldn't be surprised if we get to see this uh, in the next couple of weeks before a, a lot of the big blockbusters, uh, and so especially because these trailers can now be distributed digitally to uh, most theaters. Um, I don't see why we wouldn't see so. this actually in in at least in in front of uh, a lot of the 3D movies. Um, I'll tell, we'll report back. It's we're, we have we'll be going to Thor this weekend. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we'll just have to see if it's before. I hope so because this one I think is by far the best one they've done. Yes. yes. The the uh, another thing I love is that it is uh, it's rhythm. Rhythmically edited, so you have to tum 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 tum, and then that tum tum tum, you have like four, three different images, um, yeah. and it, I, I love that. It just gives it a lot more impact, uh, the music and, the, and 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 the images. So let's go over the the scenes, um, and I think this 
we know a little bit more about the movie now, so this also uh, sheds new light on our previous discussions about certain scenes. Uh, the mm -hmm. first image that we see is um, runes and a very icy lake and a boat. Now, this has this has to be Bart, right? In his in his boat, probably you know, uh, going to uh, to Lake Town. Um, so this might actually be right after he has uh, uh, brought the um, the dwarves on board, and then they'll just uh, he'll 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 bring them to Lake Town. Um, in the preview, and I'm gonna uh, mention a few things that I know about the preview uh, that might be a little spoilerish, but um, apparently in the in the preview, um, the dwarves are actually uh, negotiating with Bart. Um, and they have to pay him so that he will bring them to uh, to Lake Town. Um, and the next shot that we see in the trailer is, I think, the moment that um, that Bart the Bowman uh, discovers the uh, the dwarves, uh, and it's taken from a very low angle. And I, I I first thought that this might be the hero shot. I think I said um, yeah. just before he kills the dragon, um, but actually I think this is he's probably standing on a boat. Looking down at the at the dwarves in their um, mm -hmm. um, their uh, wine, uh, how do you call them? Uh, <laughs> the, the apple yeah. barrels. In the barrels, <laughs> yeah, the apple bar barrels. Uh, that which would explain the low angle. And then, of course, he doesn't know who they are. Uh, that's why he has uh, has his bow and arrow there. So, um, uh, and and it's apparently, I imagine this is the audience's introduction to Bard, where we'll see him yes. for the first time. Yes, and and it, this is in the trailer, of course, also important because we see uh, Bart um, quite a bit. Um, so uh, for for those uh, and, and most people won't won't really know Bart the Bowman that much. Um, and, and I'm I'm thinking a non uh, uh, geeky audience because in the book his role, of course, is a lot smaller than it is in the movies. So it's it's yeah. good that he's introduced right here from uh, from the start. Now the reason that we don't see the dwarves in the first shot when in in Bart's uh, boat is that he actually hides them, uh, puts them in um, in barrels, and then uh, or in in I'm not sure in boxes, or, and then he he fills them up with the fish <laughs> to cover them. Very pleasant, I'm sure. Yes. Because. <laughs> Because if you didn't get sick of apples after a while, <laughs> you're certainly going to get sick of the smell of fish. <laughs> and then we go from the fish, we go to the to the spiders. Um, and uh, the, 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 what 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 struck me is that all the scenes that we see with the spiders and the, the spider webs and everything are a lot darker than in previous trailers. Um, and, and they look much more menacing and, and gloomy and... Uh, uh, so it's it's uh, uh, it's very cool to see that um, with these trailers, we also get a glimpse of the post-production process where they keep, of course, improving on on all those scenes and uh, doing color correction and everything. And uh, what we see now is probably uh, what will end up in the movie. Um, but it's, it's, it's very interesting if you would um, play all the trailers one after another, you will actually see huge differences in toning, in, in especially in brightness. And it seems that in this trailer, a lot of the scenes that we saw previously have been uh, darkened and toned down. I wonder if that's, part, if that's more for the special effects or if that's partly a, a decision to change the tone a little bit. Because here in this next shot, we see Bilbo... Uh, we see him holding the ring yeah. as if he is 
really considering putting it on or as if he's tempted to. Uh, And it is the spider scene. Mm -hmm. And so if the spiders have driven him to the point to where, you know, he, he's definitely considering using the ring again. Um, It's, there's definitely a threat there. Oh, and he looks terrified. He looks at that ring and he's like, and um, some people say that this is because uh, he has just put the ring on before this scene. And while he was wearing the ring, he could hear the spiders speak to one another, which would be very cool, I think, as a way to also uh, introduce talking animals without making it too fairy tale like. Um, yeah. That the ring would actually give him the power to understand the the spiders, um, and and then he takes it off and he's like, oh my god, this this ring is so much more powerful than I thought it was. That's a very fascinating idea. Also, because it it starts to give you it starts to give the viewer the sense that hey, this ring isn't just yeah. I would I would love it. I mean, it's it's. it's I think I I think it would be genius. Of course, uh, some purists are going to be upset, but I think it would. I would love to. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm very curious to see if if it's it's brought like this, and that that Bilbo starts to see. Well, wait a second. This is not a, just an ordinary ring, uh, or not just a, a tool to make me invisible. And that's probably why he's so upset when he loses the ring uh, when he's uh, in this spider uh, in the spider sequence. Uh, then we go to uh, uh, again a, a slightly darker um, cave of uh, Thranduil, um, and we hear the, a voiceover, and uh, this made me again very happy and excited. Um, there is this poem that is read, and and uh, I think that makes these trailers so extraordinary um, that you either have a song in there or a poem, and it just. It, lifts it up and makes it so much better than a lot of the action movie trailers that we see. And it, it, it think, tells yeah, you... Definitely, it lends a certain weight to the yeah. story that I really like. Um, and I'll t- I'm desperately looking because I'm trying to remember. It's a poem called Rivendell from Chapter 10. And I don't have my copy of The Hobbit with me mm-hmm. at, at the moment. But I, I was trying to remember who, who under what circumstances because I remembered the poem. I just couldn't remember where it was in the book. Yeah, I can try to look it up. Um, the, the, the text in uh, the trailer is, is uh, a little bit different from what you read in the book. So this is what we hear in the trailer. The Lord of Silver Fountains, the King of Carven Stone, the King beneath the mountain, shall come into his own. And the bells shall ring in gladness. And then we see the, the, the bell tower of uh, Lake Town. Um, and at the mountain king's return, but all shall fail in sadness, and the lake will shine and burn. And during that word burn, you see actually a, a, a sunrise in, in, in Lake Town, but the golden sun almost makes it look as if the lake is on fire. So again, brilliant editing. Mm. Um, so almost poetic where they, they play with the images to emphasize, to enhance the words of the, of the poem. So I'm yeah. just doing a quick look, a quick search here in my Hobbit. But I think poetry is really underestimated as a mode of storytelling in today's cinema. So, but I, I think that Peter Jackson understands that if used correctly, it can definitely add depth to the story. And I remember that in um, in the lead up to the first movie, we were debating a lot uh, about those songs and whether Peter Jackson would uh, w- would use them or not. And um, I was so glad that he did. 
not all of them, but still a substantial amount of them. And it, it worked really well, even as a, a moment where you can just, you know, breathe a little bit and where the movie gets some depth and, and it reminds you that this is, all, this is literature, you know, it's not just a movie. Um, here's the, the, uh, the poem. It's indeed in the 10th uh, chapter. Uh, so this is in Lake Town. Let me see who, uh, who says this. It know. looks like they just inverted uh, past it, uh, two of the lines from what, the, from what you were talking about in the trailer. Interestingly. Yeah. So people are shouting inside the hall. Uh, some begin to sing snatches of old songs concerning the return of the king under the mountain, that it was Thor's grandson, not Thor himself, that had come back. Didn't, uh, that it was Thor's grandson, not Thor himself, that had come back, did not bother them at all. Others took up the song and it rolled loud and high over the lake. So it's actually um, uh, a song in the book, whereas here it's Where it was. Yeah, I remember now. because, And it's interesting because they use it so different in the differently in the trailer where yeah. it's a tool to give you an idea like i said of the weight of the depth of what's happening whereas mm -hmm. in the book you know the lake town people i they aren't maybe not the, the brightest bulbs in the bunch i mm -hmm. sometimes feel <laughs> where they didn't really understand the that war was probably coming to them and that you know going to claim treasure from a dragon wouldn't be super easy. Well, I think in some ways they do with the way that they send the dwarves to the mountain. You know, hey, maybe if, if they can actually somehow, as legend might speak, deal with this dragon, then we won't have the dragon on our backs mm -hmm. anymore. But I think it is a little bit of a complex relationship, though not necessarily... They're not necessarily obvious in the book. I do think the people of Lake Town and, and Barn in particular, and I think it's shown in this trailer, they have mixed feelings about the dwarves yes, and the, yes. their mission. So it's interesting in the, in the original version of the poem, it has a totally different tone. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's truly a song about the return of the king, almost like uh, these prophecies about the return of the Messiah in the Bible, where it's all, you know, that will be the day that everybody will rejoice. So I'm just going to read the original poem so you can see the difference. The king beneath the mountains, the king of carven stone, the lord of silver fountains shall come into his own. His crown shall be upholden, his harp shall be restrung. His halls shall echo golden to songs of yore resung. The woods shall wave on mountains and grass beneath the sun. His wealth shall flow in fountains and the rivers golden run. The streams shall run in gladness. The lakes shall shine and burn and sorrow fail and sadness at the mountain king's return. So the the sorrow, fail, and sadness will burn because of the sunlight. And here it is more, much more ominous, you know, all shall fail in sadness and the lake will shine and burn. <laughs> so, but a brilliant um, kind of remake of this poem to, to strengthen. And it's, you know what? It might not even be in the movie in this way. We've seen that before, that sometimes... Yeah. They will just do like a narrative or just read it. And then in a movie, it's like, oh, oh we thought this was just going to be read by someone. And then it's sung, for instance. So, um, well, I'll tell you this, it, this kind of, and I, I know we'll keep going through the trailer, but kind of thematically, it's, it's interesting to see that this is kind of the trailer of Bard, um, yes. as we mentioned a moment ago. And it's fascinating because he's the one who does the, um, the speaking portion, I guess, the voiceover mm -hmm. yeah. of that poem, which I think is an, an interesting. I wonder because in in Lord of the Rings, the hobbits, I felt, were a little bit of a human connection, which is kind of funny mm -hmm. because the humans weren't the human connection. They were the kind of the the, the everyman that in the adventure, 
And it's, I'm wondering if in this case you'll, you'd be able to connect more to the people of Lake Town than you would Bilbo Baggins in some ways, kind of thematically where you can kind of see Bard as the one who's talking about the story here. Well, and I think that Bard has a very important function um, – and, and I love how they expanded his role um, to this dimension where Bard is the one who discovers what's really going on. A lot of people think it's, oh, it's just a couple of dwarves. Um, even Bilbo himself might think, oh, it's just about this dragon and a treasure. And then Bard puts the pieces together so he might find this old song uh, or this old poem and then he's like, what is this about? And it's very important. The image that we see after that is uh, a tapestry which has the names uh, of, of the various dwarves and the dwarven kings uh, connected together. So it's, it's like a, a lineage of Thorin. And you see two hands on, on, the, on the tapestry. And if you look closely to what Bard is wearing later in one of the other scenes, it, it's probably him. Which I think indicates that he is the one who puts the pieces together, starts realizing, oh, wait a minute, these dwarves are here to reclaim the mountain. And this Thorin, um, he, he must think he's the king. And then you have that interaction between well, Thorin I mean, and Bard. Even straight from the trailer when he yeah. says, you know, dragon, fire, and ruin, that is what you'll bring upon us. Yeah. It's obvious yeah. that he's, he's onto them. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love that that he's going to be the one who guides us into this discovery and and also reminds us of what is really at stake here, and it yeah. it all uh, leads to the Arkenstone, uh, which will we which will we will see later on in the trailer, which I think is for the this the purpose of this trailer and for the audience that is doesn't really remember the Hobbit that much. Um, it's it's a very important um, piece of information that will also help us understand why a third movie is necessary. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Then we see um, again a, a different scene. We see the Eye of Schmauk um, opening. But it's very, very different from the teaser trailers that we've seen so far. It's much darker. I, I even think it's a different animation. Um, it's slower. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Do, do you remember at the end of the first movie that, that we saw that pile of gold and then uh, the, the, the eye opening? This looks very different from that scene. Much, much darker. I think and much better done too, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we go outside of, we see uh, again, uh, this is the third time that we see the outside of the mountain, Erebor, um, with the little boat in the on the lake in the, in the foreground. What I didn't realize, and I've only noticed this because uh, a fan website put the images uh, uh, together, the, the mountain looks different in every trailer. Did you know that? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I confess I had, I had not, not noticed. noticed no. Like the first mountain is not even remotely the mountain that we see in this trailer. It's a it's a complete it's completely replaced. So the first one looks like a bit like the uh, classic Matterhorn, you know, Swiss mountain. Whereas in trailer two and the and the sneak peek, you get a much fiercer looking, more dangerous looking mountain, um, uh, more irregular, um, almost looks like a, a tooth or something or a, or a bunch of teeth standing up there. And it's also the mountain is no longer uh, lit by sunlight, but it's kind of shrouded in 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 uh, in darker clouds, and there is mist on the lake. So 
it, it I think what it does really well is 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 that it shows that this this mountain is dangerous and it's asleep or the dragon is asleep and it's all kind of laying there ominously. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, so cool to witness the post production on this and to see that they're still tweaking the movie quite substantially, even to the you know changing the mountain entirely. <laughs> And then we get uh, we get back to uh, Bart uh, realizing that uh, this king beneath the mountain uh, might actually be uh, Thorin, um, and then we get some cool new images of Lake Town. Um, we see this beautiful overview of uh, the bell tower, um, and um, the, you even see get a glimpse of the lake in the background. Um, there's some snow, so it's just really cold. And then we 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 get finally, finally the first glimpse of the the master of Lake Town, uh, played by Stephen Fry. Uh, and I was constantly wondering why we didn't see him because he's he's quite an important character. He's an important actor. Um, not not that well known, I think, in the U.S. as he is in in the U.K. and here in Europe. Um, is, is Stephen Fry kind of a, a? I'm familiar with his work just because I'm, he did a documentary series here in the states. I'm trying to remember what it was called, and that's that's where I first knew his name. And then I, but but other than that, I'm not very familiar with. On him. Netflix, I saw a series where it's a Stephen Fry in in America, and he, tr- yeah. he does a road trip through America in a, in a London cab, which very uh, very funny. Um, he he used to team up with uh, Hugh Laurie. That's why he got so famous, and uh, they had a. Uh, a comedy show uh, on the BBC called A Bit of uh, Fry and Laurie. And Hugh Laurie, of course, uh, later on uh, was going to play House in uh, House MD. Um, and Stephen Fry himself was also was just a, 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 a bit of a television celebrity in the didn't UK. They, didn't the pair of them do a Jeeves and Wooster series for uh, BBC, I think? Uh, could very well be. It's what IMDb is for. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, it's awesome to finally get a glimpse. And, and you see him on the right side. He's standing there on the, in front of the, uh, uh, the, the main house, I suppose, or whatever it is. Or, um, uh, and and um, there's also Alfred, who's standing there, uh, his assistant, um, looking a, a, a bit creepy. It kind of reminded me of um, a worm tongue. So... Uh, and, and and they are there is a crowd in front of the house um with with torches and everything so i, I wonder if uh, the master of lake town isn't just uh, just very annoyed with these dwarves and just wants to get them out of his town as soon as possible i don't know yeah <laughs> you know i am glad that they didn't combine the characters of bard and the master of lake town yeah um, yeah oh gosh that would have been terrible it, yeah <laughs> It would have really changed Bard's character, for one. Um, well, and and even the history of Middle Earth, <laughs> because of course Bard later on is going to be, uh, uh, isn't he going to be the king of Dale? So yes, oh, man, <clears throat> exactly. That, that I don't think that many Tolkien fans would have forgiven Peter Jackson if he had done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's the kind of move that's often made, though, in yeah. book to movie transitions, oh, yeah. where the two characters if their story can be combined well they're turned into a single character and i'm really glad that peter jackson doesn't have a penchant for doing that 
When I when I was in Wellington, um, the guy who was showing me around uh, said that actually so many people that work on the movie are huge Tolkien fans, and so <laughs> Peter Jackson is surrounded by people that have the the the, the biggest respect for Tolkien. So I, I guess that there would be a, a small mutiny if he had done stuff like this. <laughs> this is true. Yes. And Although, since- I mean, it's funny because like even with scripts from the Two Towers and and. Um, you know the Battle of Helm's Deep, where there there was some really outlandish stuff in some yes. of those early drafts of the yeah. script. Yeah, but those were different different times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, next scene that we uh, that that we are shown uh, uh, gives us a glimpse of the dwarves um, that are escorted by soldiers. Um, I think it's the Master of Lake Town who uh, walks ahead of them. Um, and then we get a, uh, another sh- a scene that we've seen before where uh, Bart the Bowman uh, embraces his daughter, um, but he's looking, again, worried. And so perhaps he knows that soon, you know, his fam- his own family might be in danger as well. Yeah. Then we get well, the... It lends weight to his uh, sort of mixed feelings or yes. attitude towards the dwarves. Well, again, it shows us that there's a lot of stake for him at stake for him personally. He's got a family, and so it's not just this hero guy with you know, but no background. But he has a family to protect, and so whatever these dwarves mess up will also uh, could have huge consequences for his family as well. Uh, it's it's I think classic ways to expand a character if you want to do it right. Uh, show, give him some emotional weight, give him some, some people to care for, and that will give us a reason to care for Bart and for his family, right? So then we, um, well, we see the sunrise in, um, in, in Lake Town. I, I just love the look of Lake Town, and it's unbelievable that this is all built on a stage inside, and because uh, <laughs> it, it looks so real. And then yeah. we get our first glimpse of Gandalf. Um, and he's looking through, I don't know, like uh, like metal bars. It's almost as if he's. It uh, looks imprisoned. almost like a prison bar. Yeah, and he's hurt. He's got blood on his face. Um, no, no idea what's going on. This is. Probably... I wonder if that's like a flashback to his his capture. Hmm. Yeah, Maybe. Who knows? Uh, and then uh, the, the the trailer starts to turn dark because we see the eye of Sauron again the fiery eye and this is also the end of the poem where it speaks about fire so they're definitely implying that the fire of Schmaug is almost a prelude prelude to the fire of hatred that Sauron will bring Um, Mm. there's no sign of the necromancer in this trailer that's that's interesting no but um I do think, too, that that kind of alludes back to what Gandalf was saying in the first Hobbit film when he speaks with uh, Galadriel. Mm-hmm. He is really concerned about what will come if the necromancer is out there, what sort of influence uh, Smaug might have. You know, if the, if the enemy has a dragon, then yeah, <laughs> be a pretty terrible thing. Yeah, it's. It, I, I think that this whole sequence of of um, Gandalf entering Dol Guldur um, might have a lot more weight and importance in a movie than they actually make us think here. Um, 
that might actually be part of, of of the movie that we will not see before we before the movie is released theatrically. I imagine, yeah. We see the desolation of Smaug, uh, uh, Dale, uh, in the snow. It's, a, it's, it's the beauty shot that we've seen before. Um, and uh, it's interesting to see that um, we only see a few of the dwarves. Um, Keely, Feely, and Bofur and Oin are all seem to be absent here. Um, Keely is is going to get injured in if, while fighting the orc, so perhaps some of the others are still recovering in... Lake Town, and only some of the dwarves are going to uh, to to journey to towards Dale. I don't know. We see another shot of the dwarves in front of the uh, secret door of Erebor. Uh, we get a glimpse of the uh, uh, the cave of Thranduil, and an interrogation of an orc. Who, uh, and the orc says that the dwarf uh, should never be king. So interesting that the orcs apparently know what Thorin is planning. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I like the look of this orc. Very scary. <laughs> I wonder if it's CGI. I don't think so. It looks like more like a mask or something. It seems as if everybody in Middle Earth knows what Thorn is doing. Really, hmm. yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not it's like the worst kept secret ever. <laughs> um, then we get uh, to see a bit more of the secret uh, entrance to Erebor. Um, this kind of this staircase. I think we've seen it in one of the other trailers as well. Yeah. New is the shot of the sunrise when they're all the way uh, near the head of the of the stone dwarf there, um, or it, it might actually be a sunset, uh, which would be cooler because then, of course, it, it indicates darkness coming. Um, we see uh, Thranduil again, and then we get this. Um, shot of of uh what looks like a like a, an inscription in the walls of Erebor of the Arkenstone and that is i think the center of the uh, of the trailer what this trailer tries to convey is that this is not just about a dragon and a treasure this is about the Arkenstone and the Arkenstone is what gives the king its power, and then what I love is the next scene where Bilbo is uh, representing the um, uh, not well-informed audience, who is <laughs> yes. like the say what now Arkin what Arkenstone, <laughs> and then Balin or Thorin is like that is why we are here. <laughs> I feel like you know Thorin should have looked straight at the camera and just yeah. said that is why we are here. <laughs> you better know <laughs> it's all about the Arkenstone. <laughs> And knowing I how, say right here, Thorin really projects a sort of menace throughout this trailer. Oh yeah, uh, both this scene where you know Bilbo's like, "Oh, what's what's this thing going mm -hmm. on here?" to Balin, and then Thorin just kind of you you don't see him unless you right. look carefully at yeah. first, and then he just turns and he's sort of dark and brooding and menacing and. Oh, is, exactly. isn't that the, the 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 kind of character shift uh, brought that? about by I don't know by the mountain by the dragon? It's it's like a, almost a depression, you know. He's getting darker and darker, and yeah, and and almost every shot of him in this trailer is it, he. I mean, you don't see a smile out of him at all. No, and you know he says, "I have the only right," and he speaks yeah. of the Arkenstone, and Bard's concerns about the dwarves seem to be to manifest themselves into Thorin uh, and later in the trailer we'll see that he has a sword to Bilbo's throat yeah um, and he's just kind of creepy in this 
trailer and you know he says at some point too then we shall burn together yes and it's like oh which makes me all the more appreciative of the way that they ended the first movie with this reconciliation between thorin and bilbo and yeah. a lot there was a lot of criticism people saw it, it was sappy it was overly emotional it wasn't necessary but it, when you see thorin now I think this is actually brilliant because it it has it will also gives up give us an emotional journey where we first thought oh Bilbo and Thorin finally get along they're good friends and now one of them is actually turning to darkness and so had we not had that um, emotional you know moment between the two that moment of friendship uh, where you see Thorin from you know, as uh, really as a, as a, a a great guy or a great dwarf, then then this th- this turn towards darkness would not have had the same impact. I think I think when once the three movies are out and we will see the story unfold, I think we'll appreciate what Peter Jackson did even more and the way he he sometimes made some changes. I think it's just genius what happens here. And then we finally get to see some elven action. We see Tariel, because I think that's how we are supposed to uh, pronounce it now, uh, fighting the spiders. We've seen this, but again, it's more dark than we've seen before. We see uh, the dwarves and Bilbo in a bo- in, in a Bart's boat. And then we get to see a, a very cool shot of this huge device um, and someone shooting an arrow. Now, this must be Girion. The Lord of D- of Dale, and the, he's using this uh, huge—I don't know—I don't know how to call it. It's like a super quad bow, quad bow, <laughs> crossbow, quad bow. Um, and what he is shooting, I think, is the black arrow to kill Schmauk. And of course, he's not going to succeed because it's it's uh, Bard who is going to kill the dragon. Um, but the uh, the black. Uh, or the yeah the black arrow um was uh according to lore was um uh forged by thor the dwarf who was uh, who was the king under the mountain um and bart the bowman later retrieves this black arrow um and uses it to kill uh su- to su- successfully kill uh, uh kill Schmauk. So here it's not Bart, but it's it's uh, Jirian. I think uh, or Girion or or Jirian, He's he's gonna get killed by by Schmauk. Um, and in in one of the other shots later on, we actually see um, the 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 black arrow um, with Dale in the background burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go to uh, I th- uh, we go back to uh, Gandalf. Um, this is uh, where, where he says, uh, you know, we, we, we are in gra- grave danger. Uh, we see some fighting between Legolas and some orcs. I was glad that we get to see a bit less of Orlando Bloom. <laughs> it's kind of more balanced now with all the others. We see some, uh, I think a lot of the Orlando Bloom contract had to do with the shots that they could put in the theatrical trailers right. for, um, <laughs> for, the, for, you know, for recognition purposes. Yes. Then we get um, a an elf uh, sounding the horn. I'm not sure. This seems to be still in um, uh, in Mirkwood, so it might be during you know bef- just before the attack of the orcs. Um, then we see Radagast again, um, telling Gandalf the world is in grave danger. So it's just uh, 
kind of repeating what Gandalf also said. Then we get that strange shot again of all these uh, orcs, this this uh, army of orcs, marching out of Dol Guldur, probably and Dol Guldur. It's, it's more brightly lit this time, if you'll notice. I'm, I, I, was, I was just watching it, and I was like, what is this? Yeah. Well, you see runes in the background, so it's it's definitely and, – and even the skies, you know, you have these dark gray clouds. And we know from a very – this is a long time ago in one of those production diaries. Uh, they were shooting that day, and that was for Dol Guldur. And uh, it, the weather was terrible, and there were these thunder clouds. And Peter Jackson said, you know what? We're actually going to use that in a movie. That looks very cool. And you see these same thunder clouds in the background. So this must be Dol Guldur. Okay. So well, that, that does make sense as yeah. I'm looking at it. I, you know, this could be perhaps towards the end of the movie where um, – because they need to do some kind of a cliffhanger. And 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 make and conveying that the third movie that's going to be the movie you want to see because, well, there's a war uh, about to break out the the, uh, the the battle of the five armies and so, I'm I'm thinking because I cannot see this in the middle of the movie it would be so contradictory with the emphasis on the dragon and and Bilbo defeating the dragon you want that to have impact and so if there is like a a whole army of orcs then Gosh, that, that that is so much more dramatic in a way than just one single dragon and one single hobbit. Mm-hmm. So I I'm I'm thinking end of the movie, perhaps just leading up to the Battle of Five Armies. Then we get to see the same scene between Thorin and Bilbo. Um, again, uh, the, interesting that um, Schmauk doesn't seem to be there. So we do see the we we see the treasure in the background. But yeah. no sign of Schmaug. So perhaps Schmaug is already dead here. I do think it's interesting, too, that uh, when Thorin yeah. is holding the sword to Bilbo's, well, to his neck, mm-hmm. you can see the gleam of the treasure reflecting on Thorin as you could in the first film in certain yeah. shots. Well, we mentioned this in the first analysis, but yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. this is almost certainly after the dragon's dead mm-hmm. and when we're going to see that confrontation between Bilbo and Thorin about and, the Arkenstone. And perhaps that light of the treasure on his face is kind of uh, symbolic of what's going on. You know, yeah. his desire for power is now take, taking hold of him. Just just as the ring in, in Lord of the Rings takes hold of whoever carries it. It's the, it's the same kind of greed and lust for power that can corrupt a character, even, even a great king like Thorin. Mm-hmm. Then we see uh, the next scene is is uh, where we uh, and, and you have to almost freeze frame it to see it, but there is the black arrow, um, uh, not not hitting the dragon here. Um, Dale is burning in the background. Then we see Bilbo, um, in again in in Mirkwood, surrounded by uh, spider webs, and the 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 ring in the foreground. This is just yeah. uh, it's probably again this huge ring in order to do the to have the camera in focus both on the background and the foreground, <laughs> like the ring you see in in uh, Lord of the Rings just before uh, Frodo leaves. There's this moment where um, he drops it on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was actually a big ring, and then the ring in the snow before uh, oh, yeah, they Bormir. pick it up. That is a huge ring. That's as big as the wheel of a bicycle. <laughs> so just to get everything in focus. Wow. So perhaps they just used that same model. They must have... <laughs> just, it was just lying around there. Um, 
And then we see uh, uh, a new shot. I've never seen this before. Gandalf on Radagast in Dol Guldur, I think. Um, and, uh, well, you don't really know what you see. There is some light coming from the staff of, I think, Gandalf. And there is uh, mist over the runes. And so is this when they discover that the Nazgul have been woken up from their graves or whatever? It's 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 in the middle of the night. It's ultra dark. Um, another shot of Gandalf in Dol Guldur. Then we get uh, Beorn. We've seen this before. Um, we see Bilbo uh, escaping um, uh, the cave, uh, the the the, ca- the Mirkwood cave, uh, jumping in the water. Then this shot was new as well, where Balin is talking with Bilbo, and they both have new clothes. So this must be in Lake Town. And it's all yeah. like wintry clothes. And Balin is, uh, as usual, very confident that uh, Bilbo will uh, pull it off. And then yeah. we get to see dragon stuff. That Balin really seems to have a very positive influence on the other characters. Yes. Well, he is uh, the oldest of the, of the group and mm-hmm. uh, seems to be very grandfatherly, <laughs> both to Bilbo and to the other dwarves. Yes. Has great respect for Thorin. But uh, but also uh, a, a lot of appreciation for for Bilbo, mm-hmm. and it's it's cool to see the the friendship between you know an old dwarf like that who's kind of the mentor of uh, of of Bilbo, a bit what Yoda was to Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put in a Star Wars reference here, but it, it, I, I I like that. Otherwise, Bilbo is you know so alone and 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 isolated. You want to see that yeah. bond. Uh, and then we, we get the scenes, and we've seen most of these before, where, where the dragon is uh, still uh, under the pile of gold approaching Bilbo, uh, who is not aware. And then you, ha- you have that fantastic voice, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, a, a, new, a new quote here, I am king under the mountain, uh, which I think makes the, the, like, the trailer complete. I mean, that was a moment where I literally... You know, hearing that, I got chills because that's where yes. I really feel like uh, we, we understand that the Benedict Cumberbatch voice works and you really oh hear gosh, that process. Yes. In fact, if I'll, I'll just take a moment to listen to this. <laughs> I am king under the mountain. <laughs> just awesome. <laughs> and and so great that, that this is about uh, Thorin trying to claim... Uh, um, the mountain as his own. He is the king of the mountain. The dragon thinks he's the king, and there is the Arkenstone who will is supposed to give the true king his power, and that's why the Arkenstone is so important. So, just fantastic how in just a few minutes they put all these pieces of the puzzle in place, uh, convey what this movie is going to be about, and even how it how it uh, already points forward to the third movie. Um, masterful storytelling. I am so excited that Peter Jackson is making these movies. <laughs> and, oh, and he me mentioned, too. And, it's, it's, and there's of course the, the the production diaries that came up. But I liked how how it looks like we're going to get more of them even before the movie comes out. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it's already that, you know early uh, November. Peter so Jackson I, has more time now. I mean, well, that's actually not true. He's he's probably still frantically uh, editing uh, the movie. Did did I tell you guys that I heard in in um, Wellington, that Peter Jackson actually was still editing the movie like an hour before the red carpet release, the red carpet event. 
Uh, no, nope. I, mean, I did hear that. Yeah, he actually jumped into a car and uh, uh, went high speed from from the studio part of of Wellington to the red carpet and arrived just barely in time. Unbelievable! Oh goodness! And wow! Th- this this production video is very cool because I recognize so much, so many of the places and. Um, uh, I went to the what they call the Weta Cave, which is the kind of the touristy um, shop for 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 people that you know go on pilgrimage to Wellington to see more of Weta Studios, and you get a tour of a very small part of their facility. Um, and while I was inside. Um, I was told later on that Peter, I was just inside and then Peter Jackson um, passed by in his car. <laughs> he was on his way to one of those editing sessions and he stopped the car, uh, got out of the car and, and walked into the building and I missed it. <laughs> oh, oh, anyway, it was my geeky moment. Like I've been at least physically in like uh, uh, less than 50 meters away from, from Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Now wow. the production video, of course, we uh, we are running out of time, so it's 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 going to be impossible to go through it entirely. But I want to focus a bit on uh, the character of Tariel. We've seen a lot of her in um, in in the trailers and and some glimpses, but we never really um, got much information about what her character is, uh, what kind of elf she is, and what the whole deal is with that you know conversation with uh, Thranduil. Um, and about this potential romance between Legolas and Tariel. Well, the production video uh, uh, finally reveals what to expect. And all of my stunt work. So this is about the ears melting during all the stunts. Tolkien describes the Sylvan Elves as less wise and more dangerous. Tariel is a little bit reckless and doesn't quite have the self-control that I think a lot of the other elves do. You like death? Then let me give it to you. Tariel! So she doesn't have that kind of floating, ethereal thing. I do not think you would allow your son to pledge himself to a lowly sylvan elf. No, you're right, I would not. Still, he cares about you. Do not give him hope where there is none. You peer around and you see him standing in the middle of the room, naked in a bath. (laughs) Fortunes of the world will rise and fall, but here in this kingdom we will endure. Thandril is so old, he's, you know, 3,000 years old and immortal. A hundred years is a mere blink in the life of an elf. I'm patient. He's not interested in how he presents himself to other people. He's just interested in what they have that he wants. That's how kings are. (laughs) Shall I take my leave of you now? Get out of here. Or should we get in the jacuzzi? Get out of here or get in that jacuzzi. It's like dropping the audience bang straight into it. The chase is still on. That's a good one. Let's do one more. So I hope you've enjoyed that. You see, we're going to keep the blogs coming thick and fast now between this point and the release. (laughs) So soon it'll be the pickups part two. Look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for watching. Dwarves will take some catching. (laughs) And so do burglars. (laughs) 
actually pretty cool how that ends with the scene where um, uh, Bilbo is is putting on the ring, and of course he will vanish uh, through the power of uh, CGI. <laughs> but at least we know that he will put on the ring to uh, stay away from from the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> but I love I love these clips. I I love the information about the elves, and I, I think I think that uh, again, a uh, movie does a great job um, showing us. That elves are not just oh just just elves. No, there are all sorts of classes of elves, and and Tariel is um, is is more of a warrior type elf, and of course she is not. You know she's not in the same league as uh, as a guy like Legolas, and so mm-hmm. of course there's not going to be a true romance. So uh, interesting, and and then uh, the the character of Thranduil only caring about himself, and and it's explained because well these elves are so old. That a lot of the petty stuff, if your if your life is short, just falls away, and he so he's not really interested. He just wants to see how he can use uh, yeah. these visitors. Well, it takes a certain aspect of wisdom that Gandalf has, I believe, to um, to realize that these smaller things are important, even if they don't seem so to someone who's three thousand years old. Well, so, and it's also I, I I have the Wikipedia up. I'm cheating. <laughs> I'm looking at <laughs> no these. problem. Just pretend it's all in your infinite knowledge. <laughs> in my infinite Tolkien lore <clears throat> that <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> see, uh, I, I I don't pretend to be an expert by any stretch of the imagination. But it's interesting to see the Sylvan elves that they're using that that kind of high term just instead of just calling them wood elves, which is what they're called mostly throughout the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, which kind of goes back to this whole. This isn't just an interpretation of The Hobbit. It goes to a larger picture of, of the lore of the greater events that are happening throughout the lands. And it's not just the Dwarves' Adventure, which, as I said uh, on some of our trailer analysis of the last trailer, I think is a really good decision that they're not just sticking with the Dwarves' story because The Hobbit is a bigger story than that. And, and, and I really like the way that we're, we're getting all of this fully fleshed out. Yes. I can make one other quick side point. Um, it's on these. This is the twelfth production diary of the second film. Uh, the Hobbit films have been in really in series production for a, cu- a good couple, a good few years now. But it's fascinating to see again Peter Jackson's directing style and the way he did this fan event and the way he's done the um, the production diaries mm-hmm. and the blogs and the Facebook page. Uh, it's it's Peter. He he's the one actually taking on the role essentially of grand marketer of the film. True. True. And I really think that he's on the cusp of a new style of filmmaking that, you know, The Hobbit was a billion-dollar film. Mm-hmm. I mean, so were the Lord of the Rings films, but The Hobbit was a billion-dollar international film. And so will the next two, uh, by by all accounts. So it's interesting to me that the, it, these are enormously financially successful films, not just because, you know, of the story, which is a great story, but it's, I think, a large part due to the way that Peter Jackson takes on that role as, as sharing with the fans the process of making these films. Um, and, you know, it's the exact opposite of so far what's happened, because we're all big Star Wars fans, so far what's happened with the, with the world of Star Wars. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this on Secrets mm-hmm. of Star Wars. But to where things are so secretive inside yes. Disney and Lucasfilm. Yes. Like, like we, it's been a year since they announced that the film would, was going, and they've been in pre-production for that entire time. And we know nothing, really. Exactly. I mean, a few very insignificant details like the, some of the lead talent on the production side. 
But that's that's like a pre that's a press release on StarWars.com, not you know interactive right. videos right. actually produced for the fans. Um, mm -hmm. So it's an interesting director style that I really like to see, and I, I hope that that begins to happen. But you know, J.J. Abrams, while he's a very competent filmmaker, it's I think creatively. I like Peter Jackson probably the best of any film director oh, yeah, out there. Yeah. Right I mean, Peter Jackson is a, is a true storyteller um, and someone with a huge range also in what he can do. Um, and let's not forget all the other people that work around him. Uh, what, what I really understood while I was in New Zealand is this is not just one person. It is the style of the country. I mean, the people in New Zealand, the Kiwis are like that. They are – everything feels small when you're in Wellington. It doesn't feel like, like Hollywood and, it's, oh, my gosh, it's so important and you can never get close to these people. No. Come on. It's, it's New Zealand. You know, we're, we're just Kiwis. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's so funny that even, even Weta itself, which is this multi-billion dollar uh, uh, special effects uh, company, but every – the, the everything is scattered around the city and they're in old uh houses and it's it's all it looks very primitive and and uh, uh from the outside um kind of cozy almost and and the the, the whole style is, is much more like something the, the the early stories about the 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 atmosphere at Google you know where everybody you know you're not just there to work but you are there to be creative and to to have fun doing what you do, and when I went to Weta, that's that's what I felt. It's like these people love what they do. That's how they are spending sometimes eighteen hours per day in this final stretch uh, to the finish line, um, just working on these movies because they love it, and 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 and. There is this almost a sense of family, um, which which you always see in these production videos, where these actors get along with Peter Jackson so well, and it's it's uh, there's so much bonding taking place, and that is that is that shines through, and it's something you cannot script, you cannot even act it; it has to be there, and if it's not there, you know it will be lacking. That that's what makes this these this these six movies, I think, such a, an incredible. Uh, um, high point of, of, of movie making. And I think, uh, again, we'll probably only appreciate this uh, for what it truly is um, years from now when we see the entire thing and when we can compare it to what, what's happening with, with franchises like Star Wars. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's I, just the heart of the story really comes through and that's because yeah. the people working on the story really do believe in it, as yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, and it's it's all about being part of something that is bigger than themselves. Whereas it, oftentimes with with big Hollywood productions, it seems to be all about egos and about contracts and about. I mean, of course, there is some of that also around the Hobbit. Let's not idealize it, but I think the fact that this is made in New Zealand just gives it that unique Kiwi flavor that that we notice as something that is extraordinary and so valuable. Whereas the people in New Zealand are like. What do you mean? This isn't isn't this normal? They don't even notice <laughs> how yeah. special it is. <laughs> That's why I was kind of sad to hear that the um, uh, the premiere of the second movie is not going to be in Wellington because that too the the red carpet thing um, it was so awesome to see it and 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 to be able to watch it live streaming over the internet. I felt I was there on that glorious sunny day and man. Well 
So good. Oh, that was yes, so awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I so hope that the third movie will uh, premiere in, in Wellington. If it does, I'm, I want to be there. I'm just gonna move heaven and earth and Middle Earth to 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 be there. It's gonna be the last time, oh, the last chance. Anyway, that wraps it up for uh, today's episode of the Secrets of the Hobbit. Um, where can people find you? Because not only are you guys huge Hobbit Tolkien experts, but also very uh, uh, knowledgeable about Star Wars. And uh, tell us about the Star Wars podcast. I'll tell you what. There's there's really two two places that you, that I that I want to send folks. If you are interested in Star Wars and our ongoing discussions of of every bit of tidbits of news that we can scrape together to make a show out of <laughs> right now, we're still waiting for casting announcements and stuff for Episode Seven. But we talk about it every week over at StarWarsReport.com with a whole family of different Star Wars podcasts, and uh, you can just find all of our stuff there. And hey. Uh, if you're interested in just uh, interacting, I just one of my favorite places to talk to folks, uh, and we talk Hobbit, Star Wars, every, pretty much everything is on Twitter, and I'm at the Riley Guy, mm-hmm. Bethany, and I'm on Twitter as well. I am at Bethany L. Blanton. So yeah, join the conversation between shows. We love to talk to you guys. Um, you can find the Facebook page for uh, this uh, for this series um, in if you look for Secrets of the Hobbit, and we'll include a link to that as well in the show notes. Uh, the show notes can be found uh, at thehobbit.sqpn.com, and that's also where we link to the videos and to other stuff. And that's also where you f- can find the links to uh, Riley and Bethany and all my stuff. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Father Roderick. And uh, I just recently also created um, a new page for my book, which is called Geek Priest. And there are some Kiwi adventures in there as well. I talk about my, uh, my first visit to the Hobbit set in Hobbiton. And I've been back there recently, but that will probably be for another book. <laughs> but you can find all that at um, uh, facebook.com slash geekpriest. So if you like that page, I'll keep you up to date on uh, all the geeky developments around uh, Star Wars, uh, The Hobbit, and all the other great stuff that currently we are enjoying. All right, thank you for listening, and we will be back whenever there is something to report upon, and I think we won't have to wait as long as last time uh, with these new production videos just around the corner. I think uh, we're going to be in for a treat in the next couple of weeks. All that leading up, of course, to the premiere of The Desolation of Smaug, uh, December 13th in um, somewhere in the United States. Is it going to be in L.A.? I don't know. I've tried to pull it up, but I I believe it's either Los Angeles or New York. Somewhere where I can't be. That's all I remember. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll probably have to wait a very short time before we can watch it ourselves. In in glorious 48 frames per second in 3D or in 2D, whatever floats your boat. (laughs) I'm definitely going to see it in uh, 48 frames per second 3D, um, and I can't wait. Thanks for listening, and see you soon. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.